I want us to start by having a little interaction. I want to paint a hypothetical situation. There's a young man, hypothetical, I hope that the story is not real. There's a young man who, his mom was sick. And then the hospital asked him to buy something that is worth 10,000 naira. About 10,000 naira. And that thing would save the life of his mother. He just quickly needed to go and buy it, very quickly. And this boy rushed out. He had just 10,000 naira with him. Or he somehow managed to get the 10,000 naira. And then on his way going to buy the stuff, somebody robbed him and took the money from him. By the time he spent one, two days, three days, looking for 10,000 naira to go and replace and buy that stuff that his mom needed, his mom died. My question today is, what is the sin of the person that stole the 10,000 naira from him? Would you equate his sin to the stealing of 10,000 naira? Or would you equate his sin to the stealing of 10,000 naira plus murder? I want us to discuss. You tell us what your opinion is. Anybody wants to say something? It's a, it's a question that, what is your opinion? Is he seen 10,000 naira or is he seen 10,000 naira plus mother? Lawyer, you're smiling at me. In the court of law, what is, what is his sin? Anybody? So, nobody wants to <laughs> say something. No, no, I'm asking an honest opinion. What do you think his sin is? Anyone? Okay, I'm going to ask another So, so maybe you put two of them together. Somebody went to um, a hospital and stole a generator. And stealing that generator, there were some children that were in the incubator. By the time he stole the generator, the hospital was not able to quickly improvise on the children, and the children died. What is the weight of the person's sin? Is it in the stealing of generator, or is it the stealing of generator plus the death of the children? It's the same scenario, right? So who wants to help us? Your, your mic. Your mic is. I said, um, let's do it like this. How many people believe that the sin of the, of the thief that stole the generator is just stealing generator? Put up your hand. Count now. How many people? Pastor Obi, why are you doing this? <laughs> so one, two, believes that it is just the generator. Okay, so how many people believe that that thief, his sin is double? Stealing generator and causing the death of those Two babies in the incubator. So the, uh, uh, the whole house. I want I to hear why they think that is it. And so now that we have put up our hand, you can call the people. Say, why did you? <laughs> That's insight. <laughs> put your hands together for the senior pastor. That's insight. You, you want response? I show you how so, to get response. So, so a lot of you. So let's hear from Joy, then we'll hear from Irene. 
Uh, because, I mean, they've been talking behind. I don't know why they don't want to say it in the mic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Huh. I think um, stealing is, um, the person is actually guilty of stealing and also guilty of murder too. Because assuming he didn't steal that jet, those children would have been alive. So he has two sin on his head, murder and theft. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for her. Praise the Lord. Okay, so um, in law, we would say um, what will happen would be that there will be um, a charge one, counts one, counts two. So uh, also there could be predicate offense. Predicate offense, that's, let's say the stealing is a predicate offense. And then um, the murder will now be the main offense. Praise the Lord. So he will be charged. He'll be charged. The mother that he didn't know anything about will be the main offense. <laughs> like, <laughs> let, let me explain it like this. Okay. So, um, sorry, sorry. I think I've, I've just uh, mixed it up. Okay, so uh, let's just say he'll be charged for both mother and, and stealing. Put your hands together for her. Okay, um, why I've said this is that sometimes we, there are certain things that we do and we don't know that they have consequences. Right? I would like us to read our text for today. John chapter 15 and verse 45. I'm going to read it down to 52. John, 15, John 11, sorry, 45. Okay. Many of the people who came to visit Mary saw the things Jesus did, and they put their faith in him. Others went to the Pharisee and told what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called the council together and said, What should we do? This man is working a lot of miracles. If we don't stop him now, everyone will put their faith in him. Then the Romans will come and destroy our temple and our nation. One of the council members was Cyphers, who was also the high priest that year. He spoke up and said, you people don't have any sense at all. <laughs> I like that translation. Don't you know it is, a, it is better for one person to die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Cyphus did not say this on his own. As the high priest that year, he was prophesying that Jesus would die for the nation. Yet Jesus would not die just for the Jewish nation. He would die to bring together all of God's scattered people. Verse 53. Oh, sorry. I think that's, that's it. I've decided to title today's discussion The Ultimate Sacrifice. I'm sure you can clap. The Ultimate Sacrifice. And it came from that verse, 50. 
verse in the New King James Version, it says, Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. You know, the notion we have about the Pharisees is that they are very bad people. They, are, they, don't, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in this. They, they are very self-righteous. But that is not actually what Pharisees used to be. You know, sometimes when something is good, after a long period of time, it becomes abused. So the Pharisees were actually very good people. And I'm sure you know people like Nicodemus was also a Pharisee. Even Joseph of Arimathea was also a Pharisee. So we had a very uh, good set of people that were Pharisees. So this, some people came to report to the Pharisees. And that, that statement struck me. The earlier passage was talking about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. When he raised Lazarus, some people were excited and some people believed him. But do you know that some people went to report to the Pharisees? You do something nice. Some people rejoice with you. Some people look for opportunities to bring you down. I read about a recent story just today. I think it was on the news. I'm sure some, many of us know who Jerry Ezem is. The man that does the prayer every morning. I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, what God cannot do does not exist, right? Somehow, I don't know whether he announced or the internet revealed how much he earns every day. And then people began to say all manner of things that it is the earning that is making him make that prayer every day. That by now he should have stopped because COVID has ended. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why are so many people's lives are being blessed? Some people are checking statistics that this guy is making a lot of money from this thing. How do we stop it? Let's raise propaganda. Let's raise the propaganda that his motivation is money. I don't know what his motivations are. I was not there when God called him. What is my own? Praise the Lord. The senior pastor comes and preaches a wonderful message, set up a church, beautiful church, and make sure that the ambience is okay, that the mic is working. And then sometimes some of you go back and, and begin to say certain things. Why some people are getting blessed? Some of you are not getting blessed. Praise the Lord. I am a pastor in this church. And yet I go back after every sermon and listen to SoundCloud. And listen to SoundCloud. And let me shock you, it's not only senior pastor's message, even Pastor Steve's message. I go back and listen to it. Yesterday I was looking for uh, Pastor Yomi's message on mercy. I didn't even find it. I don't know why it was not posted, whether it was not recorded, I don't know. Just yesterday. We go back and listen. Because there's something that we can benefit. But what some of us do is sit down and begin to criticize. He's always making sure that his shirt is neat. Is, is that spirituality? Is, is that the move of the spirit? Is, is that the move of the spirit? What's your business? After all, this person is preaching on jeans. This person is doing... A, so why is every time he wants to look neat? 
These other people, when they do their Monday, their morning prayer, they wear any house shirts. Pastor, I will wear suits, wear everything. This is what some of us do. People believed in Jesus after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Some people went to report. And when they reported, when I read this passage that they reported, and then they, they called, the sapphires called the council, called everybody together, and said, what do we do about this situation? I begin to check. The Bible said that they were afraid of the Romans, what the Romans would do. That if this man, so many people begin to believe in him, that the Romans will come and destroy the temple and also the nation. So it seemed to me that Sapphires that said, you people don't have any sense at all. Don't you know that it is better? He said, you don't know anything at all. Do you not consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to perish? He said, you don't have any sense at all. It's not better that we kill this one man so that we can save our temple and save the nation. Please, let me ask you. Is that not a genuine concern? Praise the Lord. It looks like a very genuine concern. So I was asking, ah. So these people did not even try to kill Jesus because they wanted to just destroy him. They were concerned for the people. They were concerned for the temple. Then God told me, hold on, hold on. This is how God interacted with me. He said, wait, don't be too excited. He now asked me, do you really think that their motive was to save the temple and to save the people? Do you really think that their motive was to save the temple and to save the people. And then I began to ask myself, who were the Pharisees? What position were they occupying at the time? Who is Sapphires or Saphas? Who was he? What does he do? I began to check. I discovered that he wasn't even the high priest that year. It was Annas who was the high priest that year that people loved. But the Romans were in charge of the territory at that time. And the Romans removed him because he was not conforming and put in somebody else, Cephas. For what? For their political interest. For their political interest to be able to continue to have control over Jerusalem. What was Cyphus doing? Cyphus was merely protecting his interest in the political structure. And now it appears from the outside. That his concern was for the people and for the temple. 
But in the real sense of it, what was his concern? What he gets from the temple and the political position he occupies in the Roman structure. So when Jesus comes, and a lot of people believe in him, because there have been several revolts in the past, and the Romans intervened. So it was, that is actually a genuine concern. So they were afraid that if anything like that happens again, the Romans come in to be disastrous. So it was a genuine concern. But when people do something, and they are pushing a particular thing, and they are going extreme with it, to the point that they wanted Jesus to be killed, Know that there's another motive. There's another motive. There's another motive. When you fight for a particular thing to the point that you want to draw blood, ask yourself, what is your real motive? Some of us might not have gotten to the point where we will draw blood. But we go through extreme measures. Extreme measures to get something. You know, the church of God has been facing a lot in recent times. A lot. So many bad news. I'm sure some of us heard the bad news recent. I don't know whether to call it bad news or no bad news. There's a man that people invite all over Nigeria. I mean, he's a man of God, so to speak. And every, everybody invites, I mean, some few people, two pastors, I think, have invited him to Nigeria to preach. But um, Al Jazeera did an investigative journalism and discovered that this man who owns churches, about 15 churches across the world, was laundering money. How many of you read this story? He was laundering gold from Zimbabwe. He was laundering gold. He, he has a prophetic ministry where he can prophesy things will happen. So many things will happen. But they did this video, video, and captured him where he was talking about, I have a, because he's a, he's a diplomat, he's an ambassador for Zimbabwe, and he has the highest level of ambassadorship. He's called an ambassador at large. So he's not just an ambassador to a country, he's an ambassador to the U.S. and the entire Europe. So he was telling them that I can help you carry $1.2 million cash and go anywhere. I'll just seal it, diplomatic package. Nobody will touch it. On video. On video. On video. I was not told. I watched the video. He was saying it. He said, if I sign any document, it's as good as the president signing it. So don't be afraid. I will help you clean your dirty money. You send the money in, I give you gold. He said, in fact, let me call the minister of gold now. He put it on call and called her. Hey, we want to be doing $1 million every week. Is it possible? The minister said, yes. We'll give you the gold. You just pay in the money, we'll give you the gold. This is a man of God. You know, the senior pastor said something. I think it was last week. He said, please, I don't want to be talking so much about money. Let me focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. One thing I discovered when we came to this church is that the pastor talks less about money. I'm not saying this, I mean, 
Maybe I think we should be talking more about money so that people can give. <laughs> you know, but he's afraid, about, he's afraid of talking about money. So he just focuses on the word and, and prayer. But you see some things happening. See, we are not God, though. You don't know what is going on. You see some things happening. You see some people flourishing. You see people calling crusade and a million people come together. I'm not saying they are bad things, but I'm saying you don't know all the story. And somebody is calling crusade and there are 10 people. Don't criticize him more. Praise the Lord. Don't, don't criticize him more because you don't know anything. You can prophesy to come to pass. The gift of God is without repentance. If there are people God wants to bless, God will bless them. But we are not in the position to point at this one and say, ah, this one is very successful. What is he doing that is making him successful? He, he's doing this, he's doing that. Oh, this one is not successful. That means God did not call him. It's not in our place. It's not in our place. The Pharisees appear to have good intentions for the people. Appear to have good intention for the church. But their motive was to protect selfish interest. We must begin to ask ourselves these questions. Why do we do what we do? Why do we have to do what we do? What is our motivations for what we do? When Cyphus prophesied that Jesus was to be killed, so I'm sure we know that in Isaiah, it has earlier been prophesied that Jesus would die for the entire nation. So, Cyphus' intention was not actually to prophesy. He was trying to solve his own problem. And then the question now remains is that, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? In the Old Testament, when somebody sins, commit a sin, to atone for the sin, you have to kill an animal. Either a ram, a, a goat, or a bird. And there's, there's certain specifications for the kind of bird that you must kill. And Jesus and God knew that that was just a temporal solution for a very serious problem. And I kept asking, so for every sin somebody commits, to atone for the sin, an animal needs to be killed. In other words, Sin has consequences. The Bible said that the wages of sin is death, according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. So when somebody sins, the penalty for the sin is death. But because God did not want to kill everybody that sins, he said that you have an opportunity to atone for your sins. And the only way to atone for your sins is to kill something that has no sin in him. And then there's no human being at that time that had no sin. That's why an animal needs to be killed. And the specification of the kind of animal, the leg must not be broken. 
It must not be injured. It will not have spots. It will not have this. It will not have that. So that the blood will be clean enough to atone for your sin. And you know, I asked myself this question. If that was the way God continued, by now, goats and birds would have been extinct. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Many years as a Christian, I was telling myself then, you know, I was too passionate. It's not like now that I'm committing too many sins. Forgive me. But then I was too passionate. I was trying to avoid sins. And I told God that, is it possible that if I commit a sin, that I should bring out one thing on my head like this? <laughs> I said, the thing should also appear, anybody that sins, so we can easily see those that are sinners and those that are not sinners. And God told me, by the time I do that, everybody will be carrying it. <laughs> and it will become fashionable. <laughs> Everyone will be carrying one thing, you know, like that. And God has always sought a perfect way. I imagine that the Igbos by now would have been in the goat business. Unlike the Alsas, they would have <laughs> overtaken the business. But of course, God knew that that was not the perfect solution. That was a temporal solution. The only solution was to bring himself to earth. And because he was the sinless one, it was only his blood that can atone for his sin. Because he needed to be man. A man, a pure man was the only person qualified to atone for the sin of man. The animals could not do it. The Bible said in John chapter 1 and verse 29. Please, multimedia, can you help us with John chapter 1 verse 29? After this, I'm going to ask a question and then you can share with us. On Friday is Easter. So we're going to be sharing what Easter means for us. What does Easter mean to you? The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why was Jesus described as the Lamb of God? Because in the Old Testament, it was the lamb that was used to attain for sin. It was the lamb that was used to cleanse our sin. In fact, the position of the, high, of the priest at that time was so much that if 400 or 500 people want to confess their sin, they'll sacrifice one lamb to atone for everybody's sin. But if the priest wants to atone for his own sin, he will sacrifice one lamb. Because it's regarded that his own sin is equal to the sin of all those 500 people. Because of the position he occupied. But Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. And he needed to become man like us. And live on earth like us. But yet, without sin. In order for him to be the ultimate sacrifice. That would take care of our sins that we have committed in the past. The sins that we commit now and the sins we will commit in the future. Which is why Jesus qualifies, his death qualifies to be the ultimate sacrifice. On Friday, we will be remembering his death on the cross. Please, I'd like you to share with us, what does his death mean to you?
when it is Easter, what comes to our memory? Is it a regular routine for us? Or is there something that the Lord ministers to you? Or is there something you look forward to on Easter day? Who would like to share with us? Is there anyone that wants to share with us what his experience of Easter is? Anyone? Okay, Pastor Yomi is raising his hand. Pastor Yomi is raising his hand. Um, please put your hands Lord. together for Pastor Yomi. Please. Praise the Lord. For me, Easter is a very reflective period. When I look back and I want to make sure that I appreciate the gravity of what Christ did for us. Um, I have a confession, and I've said it here. I've never watched the Passion. It's a, passion of the Christ. I've never watched it to the end. I've never been. When I watch it, I switch it off. I switch it off, and I try and be in a sober mood. And have the fullness of the understanding of what happened. As a matter of fact, every Easter, maybe because from what we read when we were kids, I almost picture it hour by hour. So on Thursday, this is what happened. When he went to the high priest, when they said they should give, when he went to, uh, was that the man who the pilot. Pilot. Yes. And so on and so forth. How he carried the cross. I think the, the, the fathers have seen it was when he was carrying that cross and they were whipping him. Well, I mean, the actor. So, for me, I, as much as I enjoy Christmas, I realize that Easter is the sober period that we as Christians, we should recalibrate. Thank God that Easter comes every year. So maybe in the course of the year, we would have forgotten or our minds have been eroded. We should sit down and think of what happened to him. More importantly, two days ago, uh, I was sharing on, I led the prayer uh, Monday prayer group and the, I read the on day. the third day and again every time that I sit down and I pay full attention to the activities that led to him going to the cross being buried and rising again I get a new perspective no matter how many times I've read it there's a new perspective my new perspective here this time around is that there is a third day and as much as Jesus Christ he talks about the power of resurrection that raised Jesus from the dead and he says that that power is at work in us also so I believe no matter how bad the situation may be for you and I there's a resurrection power that will give us the third day experience Thank you so much, Pastor Yami. Who wants to add? <laughs> Do you want to say something? <laughs> okay.
Easter is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. After the third day, he rose. And Easter is when we sit down to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how bad our situation is, you put the Lord first. <laughs> you think it's an adult that is speaking. <laughs> Thank you, our dear Lord, daughter. Thank you so much. Let's hear from Minister Bright. When, I, when it comes to Easter, what comes to my mind is that whatever God is set to do, you know, he would do it even with, you know, before the uh, activities or the sins that led to Jesus' death on the cross, it has been prophesied. It would have been easier for, it would have been easy for the people that were trying to kill him to know that, ah, this thing has been said, though. Are we fulfilling what has been said? Oh, well, are we fulfilling our own interest? So it comes to mind that when God wants to do something, even when the people knew the consequences of everything, you know, in a way, God still, you know, made them. I would say because if they, if they knew, they couldn't have killed. There is that passage that says that if they knew, they could not have. <laughs> but they, so they were trying to, like you said, fulfilling their interests, but it were, they were trying to also, they didn't know they were doing something, you know, that will bring about our redemption. So it comes to mind that if God wants to do something, even with your knowledge, you know, somebody knows that if he does something, you will not be promoted. And you end up doing it. <laughs> or he knows that if he does something, you'll be promoted. He see himself doing it without knowing and realizing later. It was after Jesus, after he was on the cross, they started realizing, oh, if we knew, we should not have. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands together for Minister Bright. Okay, so let's hear from Brother Solomon and then Pastor Steve. Praise God. I just have uh, one, one sentence on the, on the issue. So I believe Isa is giving us new word inside old word. I didn't, I didn't get that. Isa is giving us new word inside old word. Okay, new world inside an old world. Put your hands together for him. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, Easter represents quite um, a number of expressions of God's intention towards mankind. But I will capture it into three dimensions or threefold. First, Easter is supposed to be God's own idea of restoration, redemption, and reinstatement. Okay? Now, redemption says that we would never have been able to pay the price of the sin of the error we committed with our works, even with the blood of the lamb, I mean goats and sheep. Now, the ultimate sacrifice was a pure blood, void of any form of iniquity, which was the blood of Jesus. So Easter gave us the privilege to be redeemed from the shackles of death, because in any case, the wages of sin is death, and we're all born sinners. So we will not have been able to escape the wages of sin. But thank God for the death of Jesus Christ. That we, are, we have now been made the righteousness of God. So when God sees us, he sees the blood all over us. Not condemnation, not, not accusation. That's one. 
the second expression of Easter is also God trying to tell us that, look, the path to redemption will be the path of dying to sin and self. That all that Jesus went through, every one of us in this room will go through the same experience. There will be a point where you would appear to be at the peak of your life. There will be a point where you will be in the garden of Gethsemane. There will be a point where you will have to carry that cross. And there will be a point where somebody would have to help you. There will be a point where you will be all alone. Surviving and, and trying to just keep your life together. Sometimes there are going to be misrepresentation, misconception, because they called him a thief. And as far as we are concerned, in the eye of the law, Jesus was judged to be a thief. Okay, so, all that Jesus went through, every one of us will go through the same episode. But the good news is that after the crown of thorns, there is a crown of glory. Okay, so, nobody is permitted to die in his problem. If Jesus went through it, and on the third day he resurrected, what he's saying is this, your problem cannot outlive you. You will outlive that problem because there is a resurrection morning. That is a dimension also to say that all that you saw Jesus go through, if you are feeling very bad right now, perhaps it's the moment of your cross. If right now you feel like throwing the towel, you don't want to serve God again, Jesus went through it. He said at a point, if you can take this cross away from me, I mean, everything that we are going through, Jesus went through it. And so it became a perfect example of this Christian adventure when he said, looking up to Jesus, the author. And then, so if Jesus said it is finished, believe me, it is finished means two things. It is finished for your own trouble, but you would also have the privilege to say it is finished. Are you with me, man of God? So the third dimension to that um, 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 Easter experience is that now that you are saved, people also need to be saved. Now that you are saved, because the last thing after it, before he said it was finished, is that he looked at John. He said, John, look at your mother. As a matter of fact, prior to that experience, he called Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, why would you ask such a very shallow question? I love you with my heart. The next instruction it's not obey me. The next instruction is feed my sheep. So you can't claim to be a total believer without number one, experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Number two, carrying your own cross and ensure you carry it well with pride and joy. Then totally without saving a dying soul. So it's a whole bundle of divine expression to mankind. And it's beautiful we remind ourselves every period like this. But beyond every Easter thing, it's a daily experience. Like Paul said, I die daily. I read, I, I, I read a message sometimes last night, listening to a man of God, a preacher. He said, the greatest problem of mankind is self and sin. He said, but most Christians expectedly should not have a problem with sin. But a lot of us have a problem with self. You know, that kill yourself every day, then your cross will become very light. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So, Easter is a whole lot of divine compact revelation that if we continue to feast over it, our lives will remain forever transformed. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Does anybody want to add something else? You know, the story of Jesus' death. Oh, somebody wants to add something? 
Okay. I want to read verse 53 and 54. He says, that's the John chapter 11, verse 53 and 54. He says, Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, because of that, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. Let me, permit me to use, Shebi, Jesus was supposed to die, to come and die. And then we see here that when they were plotting to kill him, what did he do? <laughs> Hijama. Uh-uh. Hijama. I don't even want these disciples to leak information. All of you follow me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It is not, it was not an easy experience. Jesus was 100% God, but he was also at that time 100% man. The pain you feel right where you are seated, Jesus experienced that same pain. What you are going through, seated in this auditorium, Jesus had that same experience. The hope that we have is that he died and we no longer need to die physically. Praise the Lord. Our souls no longer need to die in hell. The hope that we have is that he died. The only thing that needs to die is our flesh. Surprisingly, this flesh, because we live in the flesh every day, has become our own undoing because it has become difficult for us to die in the flesh. Every day, we must decide to die in the flesh, knowing that that is the only way we can wear the crown of victory. We had an online meeting recently uh, where we were discussing the Japa syndrome. And then we invited some people who lived abroad and some who live here to explain to us the advantages and disadvantages of Japa. So when they finished explaining all that, I decided that I was going to make an advice. I wanted to advise. And then I said that there are so many legitimate ways to travel abroad and to relocate abroad if you want to, including investment, academics, you know, all those stuff. But please, don't go with a visitor's visa and then overstay and then you are hiding. Please don't do that. As a Christian, don't do that. You go with a visitor's visa and with a visitor's visa, you are not permitted to walk. Please don't walk. Please, we are Christians. We can't do everything that the world does. We can't do anything. You go to the immigration and you lie. We do, we do a manner of things just to step outside the country. We do, you know, we now 
have a name that we call it, we package ourselves, we package everything, falsify documents, everything, just to go. And do you know that after I said that, one person came in and said, what are you talking about? How can you deprive people of getting a better life for themselves? How can you deprive people? I know my sister. My sister traveled and used her sister's documents to work. It's not a way of bettering her life. You use some other person's documents to work. And she was saying it boldly. How dare you? How dare you say they should not do that? How dare you? People have opportunities to better themselves. Don't make them feel like sinners. Christian Forum. I'm not talking of mixed multitude. Christian Forum. One of the things that has been very difficult for us is to die daily. Jesus had paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. All we need to do is to follow in his steps. Just follow in his steps. What is... If you have to lie to get it, God is not in it. I think it was the senior pastor that said that. If you have to lie to get it, God is not in it. You carry another person's identity. Do you know it's identity theft? Identity theft. There was a couple that went abroad with visitor's visa. And we have this notion in our head, I'm doing it for my children. Ah, God. And they both agreed, in order for them to extend their stay, divorce me, marry another person. Do the contract for some years. Divorce him. Marry me back. And then this couple had this arrangement. Both of them, husband and wife, they met this man for the wife. Say, you'll marry my wife. The man said, I'll marry her. No problem. She'll get papers. One condition, I'll be sleeping with her. And do you know both of them, husband and wife, actually went to discuss it and agreed. Their lives have never been the same. You are laughing. I, I know a lot of people abroad. I have so many people abroad, friends, a lot of them. I know their story. It's horrible. Because we want to conform to the flesh. Why did Jesus have to die? So that we don't have to die in hell. Why did Jesus have to resurrect? So that he tells us that in this situation, we are not going to remain in it. Can we even speak like Daniel? Even if I die, I won't serve you. Can we talk like Esther? If I perish, I perish. Somebody will say, it's easy for you to say. You don't know my situation. I'm sure I don't know your situation, but Jesus does. Hallelujah. I want to close. In summary, animal sacrifices were commanded by God so that the individual could experience forgiveness of sin. The animal served as a substitute 
the animal died in the place of the sinner, but only temporarily. Which is why the sacrifices needed to be offered over and over. Animal sacrifice have stopped with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrificial substitute once and for all. Praise the Lord. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And this Friday, we will remember that the Son of God, God himself, came to die for our sin. We remember that the situations we find ourselves can be better. We remember that for this reason, Jesus died. We remember that he did not just die, but there was a third day. He rose from the dead to show us that in this life, not in the life to come, in this life, we shall be victorious. Hallelujah. I'd like us to rise up on our feet. I'd like us to begin to speak to God about our lives. About what this season means. What does this season mean to you? Pastor Steve said that we should remember that if God saved us, we need to save others. What does this season mean to you? Have you spoken to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you wallowing in the guilt of something that you did in the past? Jesus shed his blood for that same reason. You don't have to continue to lament. The devil does not need to deceive us that what we did, he cannot forgive us. Jesus died to forgive us our sins. Just accept his forgiveness because the forgiveness is already there. And thank God for the victory of the resurrection. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice, Lord God. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on our behalf. Thank you for raising him on the third day. Thank you for the blood that was shed to cleanse us of all our iniquities. Thank you for the grace that you have made abundant to us. Lord, we thank you for that grace. We thank you for that blood. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your son. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Every day of our lives, Lord, cost that the realization of your death will be renewed in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Can you put your hands together for the Lord?